Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. America, we are endowed by our creator, with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I think we were going to go into a different song here, I think, but I'd actually use this as a segue to Mama Sway. Like the calm in the eye of the storm Or the moon in the sky in the hours before morning You dance like the light on the heart of the floor In the stillness you look right at all Your hips swinging slow and lost in the moment You move through the room like you're there all alone And darling, it never gets old You hold him close in you Like an ocean, you whisper a song. It's gentle and strong, and you're rocking, you sweet me away. Mama, sweet. It's the way that you walk through the night It's the smile on your face when you're staring in his eyes I'm under the spell of a mother and child And honey, it feels just right You hold him close in your arms You roll like an ocean You whisper a song Wait! 
like an ocean whisper song It's gentle and strong when you're out and sweet Just in that, the story you just told about your friend and and how fatherhood changes the way the world looks at you and everything, that has sort of become, or at least in this past year when I've been writing with Brian, something that's like a common theme for us, we've referred to as like domestic dad vulnerability and really settling into the reality of like, that's a very big part of who we are and it's totally unavoidable. DDV syndrome, <laughs> yeah. domestic dad vulnerability. You could write a book on that. You know that you could take that on to Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I don't, I don't want to put too many words in, in Brian's mouth, so I'll pretend it's all from me. But like we've definitely talked about, like that's something that comes up when we're looking for things to write about. One such thing was when we wrote Mama Sway, right? Like we wrote that about a month or two after my son was born. I think Brian had just had his third or was coming very soon. (laughs) It was almost impossible for us to not write about that. Before we wrote Mama's Way, we actually even said like, we don't really want to write a junior song as Brian refers to them. It just seems like the low hanging fruit that seems a little too cliche. What's a junior song? A junior song is a song I forget where he got the term, but it refers to a song about your newborn child. Everybody does that. That's a cliche. Right. Right. That more or less. How do we avoid the cliche of writing a song about the kid you just had? And what's going to make your, yours special, right? Like there are tons of songwriters in this world and many of those songwriters have had children and many of them have written songs about those children. So how do you make them meaningful to you, but also meaningful and relatable to other people. So our twist for that was to kind of turn the focus from the newborn child to to the child's mother. Um, and in my case, this song came from a very um, specific image I had in my head of cracking the door open when she was, you know, singing him to sleep and recording that video and keeping that in my phone and just saying, I don't know what this, this is going to be a song. I don't know what it is yet. And I recorded that video and I wrote Mama Sway in my phone and I tucked it away. And when I sat down to write with Brian, that was one of the things I pulled up. And very quickly, he was like, Mama Sway sounds like a song. And I was like, yeah. But again, I was like too shy to share it because I didn't want to just write another song that was just about someone's newborn child. Not that that's bad. I I should rewind. Like, it's okay if you want to write a song about the child that you just had. Like, that's a very special moment and it's important to document it. So I don't want to talk against doing that. But I think when we sat down to write this one, it was more interesting to turn the focus from the child who was like the obvious, like center point or, you know, the catalyst for the song, but turn the attention to mama. It's a lullaby to motherhood. Yes. 
Totally. That's one of the things I love about it, because how many lullabies to motherhood are there? There's lullabies to children. And, and, and I would also say it's not just a song about mothers. It's a song about mothers and holding their babies. So there's two characters in this song, in the imagery, always. And one of the distinctive things I love about the song is it's from the second person, which you don't always hear in songs. So it is someone observing this thing. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. And I, and I think that comes from the fact that it's a video. Like I recorded the video on my phone, like through the crack of the door, I was like, this is something I might want to remember in 20 years. Right. And so I just recorded like a 10 second clip of it. I, I can't really share the video with anybody because it's just a dark room. Right. <laughs> I, I had to, you know, take some liberties with the imagery there. It was a moment that I was watching. And when we were writing the song, it was very much reimagining that exact moment and trying to document it in a more romantic way. What's the moon in the sky in the hours before morning look like? There's a, two windows in my son's room. And <laughs> this is one of those liberties. The moon was not shining through those windows because, of course, the shades were pulled down because you don't want that baby to wake up. The thought I had when I look at that video, which is just Lindsay swaying back and forth, holding my, our son Coleman, was how do I describe this in like the most beautiful way possible? And very quickly, you're like, well, it's nighttime, the moon's shining. And then you see the window and you're like, in a perfect world, the moonlight is shining through that window and you know, sort of brushing Lindsay's shoulder and kind of catching Coleman's eyes, right? Like, so that's where you take the poetic license there and try to really create an image that is everything you want it to be, even though the version that's commemorated in your phone video forever is really just a black void. So did this song make Lindsay cry when you played it for her? Nope. Oh, <laughs> and, and if it did, I, I never saw it or I didn't know about it. And that I think adds to some of the magic. I, I know she appreciates it. I know she, I, I do remember thinking like, this will be the one. How can this not be the one? If, if I'm doing everything right, I'll be saying that for the next 20 years. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Lyrically, I think it's one of my favorite songs. It was just a pure exercise in trying to write the most magical, prettiest looking imagery. Like how could I, I really wanted to take that video on my phone and describe it in like the most beautiful way possible. And I think we did a, a pretty good job of that. So you do have very elegant and beautiful lyrics. How do you write the music to match that? On this song in particular, because I was writing it with Brian and, you know, we were at this point, I think we had probably a quarter or half of the album written either in songs that we had co-written together or songs that I had written. He was aware of all those other songs and he says, you don't have any songs in six, eight. And he's like, the album will benefit from, you know, a change in pace like that. And I actually think we have more than one song on the album that's written in 6-8. Um, I'd let him do the talking on that. With that in mind, he's like, let's use this as sort of like a turning point. He started playing the riff for this. And I'd written out parts of that first verse. And he was just kind of going with the idea of it feeling like a lullaby, feeling like um, a, a bit of a, a downturn in the record. And yeah, it just, I don't know, it seemed pretty organic at the time. It was obviously 
the imagery there was not going to go over something fast paced. So <laughs> it, it worked. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, this, this is the song that had the most back and forth after we recorded it. There's actually an alternative version of this one that I just felt didn't totally capture what I was hoping for it to capture. I think it, I had super high hopes for the song because like I was saying, I was hoping this would be the one other than maybe Memphis. I, I've never written a song more specifically for Lindsay. And I really wanted this one to like hit. To get her to cry. Yeah. You, like, let's be honest. Like, so you got to keep writing because you didn't get her to cry <laughs> yeah. on this one. So you got to give us more Lindsay songs. Right. And when I got the first mix back um, for the first pass at this song, it just didn't, it didn't grab me the way that I thought it was going to. And I think part of that, that is in part because I had super high hopes for it. I, I don't think it was a problem with the instrumentation or anything. It just wasn't quite what I felt. So we actually went back and we almost reworked it entirely. We did as much as we could because I was back in Nashville at that point. So we were trying to avoid the trip back to Austin to like really start from scratch. The original version started with heavy piano, I think. And then we switched it to start with heavy, like a uh, guitar as the lead instrument. And the first version also went a bit heavier on the electric guitars and some of the ambient electric guitar sounds that I thought were awesome, but I think it was so much different than what was imagining that even though it was wonderful, it, it wasn't clicking with me. Um, so we ended up pulling that and we went heavier with the acoustic guitar and brought the piano in much later and added some Mellotron to it in the bit of the, the instrumental around the bridge. That's what fixed it for me. And it just made it feel more, I guess, surreal because that was the challenge for that song was that it was a very vivid memory of mine, but the memory wasn't beautiful, right? Because it was just lights off in dark room. And I wanted to capture like what is the most beautiful version of what that image could be the music needed to help you know paint that picture and i think the piano and the mellotron is what fixed that for me first time i've heard someone on the show say they consciously tried to write a song in six eight time yeah and that's not normal practice for me my, my brain doesn't think that way that was totally at the suggestion of Brian, who has a bit more of a command musically than I do. But you tend to think in 4-4 four, four time, is that? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. So but so, what does 6-8 time mean to you? What does it connote? Where does it take you? For, for me now, it's it takes me to this song because, because it's the only thing I've ever, if, if I'm being honest, probably the first time anyone had ever even mentioned a time signature to me when writing a song. I'm not even remotely thinking about that stuff. I'm just kind of going off of whatever I'm feeling and whatever comes off out of my hands in my mouth when I'm humming a melody. That is the advantage of working with someone who has a bit more of a command musically is that he can say, your album will benefit from this. And I'll say, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and um, then he plays it. I'm like, oh, right. That feels like what this needs to feel like. And then we kind of jump into the saddle from there. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.